A reading from John 4. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus was worn out by the trip and sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Jews in those days, sorry, this is where we're at. His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than my ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and their livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give them will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You have had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't your husband. You spoke the truth here, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worship God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that we have to worship in Jerusalem. And that it's the only place to worship, right? Believe me, woman. The time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here on a mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You will worship, not get, you worship guessing in the dark and we Jews worship in clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming and it has in fact come when what you're called will not matter. And where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for.
Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. And when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, his disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking to this kind of woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and she left. But in her confusion, she left her water pot back in the village and she told the people, come see a man that knows all the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think he could be the Messiah? And as they went out, they went to go see for themselves. So we are in a series called Kingdom Hospitality, and we are looking at Jesus, the Lord of hosts, and what it means for him to receive hospitality and give hospitality. Today, we're looking at the woman at the well, and we are going to look at it in three different ways. The literal translation, and then we're going to look at it through a video, and then a spoken word. I love the literal translation because we get to drop into this moment and then we get to dissect it a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. We have some different slides that we'll look at, but Jesus and his disciples were leaving Judea because the religious leaders were taking account of all the things that were happening. The religious leaders were jealous and they were trying to pose John and Jesus cousins against one another to create division amongst the people that were listening and to discredit their word. So because of that, Jesus was mindful. Instead of listening to the accusations and the conversations and their actions and then doing things back, he took his disciples and they headed to Galilee. So I have a map for this next part. Okay, so the normal route would have been if you came from Jerusalem and you took the red towards the right, all the way up to Galilee. But Jesus went a different route. He took the blue. And the reason they always took the red was that Jewish people did not want to be near Samaria. They didn't want to be with the people that were Samaritan. There were years in history of conflict. Jewish people thought they were better than I think one of the most interesting, interesting pieces that I found out while studying the passage for this message was that Samaritans were actually the product of interracial marriage. So the Jewish people, the Israelites, way back in the day, so before this ever even happens, the Israelites were taken captive by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians had kept them captive for a really long time, but it destroyed that whole region of people. So some of them then left captivity, but some of them stayed back. And then the Babylonians invited other colonies of foreigners to come repopulate with those leftover Israelites. So to Jesus' people in Jesus' day, 
Samaritans were half-breeds of people. They weren't pure. They were unclean. They weren't worthy. The interesting part on top of that was the Samaritans didn't realize this back in the Babylonian time. So when the Israelites went to go rebuild the temple that was destroyed, the Samaritans were so excited they could go help. But the Jewish people said no. Because you're unclean, you're unworthy, and you're half people. So that's Samaritans just by themselves. But if you were a Samaritan woman, you were permanently unclean which means nothing and no one could ever redeem you. And they were always outsiders. So Jesus sees all these things happening, and he's watching, and he's noticing. Well, after days of ministry together, Jesus and his disciples are tired, and they approach a well, Jacob's well to be exact. And it's midday, and it's extra hot. Have every, anyone ever had the moment where you have worked outside and it is like unbelievably hot? And you're so, so thirsty. So Jesus sends his disciples off to go get lunch at the nearest city. And Jesus sits at a well. And this woman knows something's different with this man. Because he's wearing tassels. So gave it away that he's Jewish first, but also gave it away that he was a learning man, that either he was studying under a rabbi or was a rabbi. So you have what would have been considered the most holy of men simply because he was studying to be a rabbi or was a rabbi, approaching the most unclean of people that were permanently unclean. And he asks for water. One of my favorite series to watch is The Chosen. And so I love The Chosen because it is a biblical narrative, but it uses historical context and adds to the narrative to help us understand what's really happening. And we're going to take the next few moments watching what this could have felt like. And then we'll talk about it. So before we watch it, these are the questions I want us to be thoughtfully, mindfully thinking of as we watch it. Because we're going to talk to each other. What, what? You can do that in church and in service. So we are going to talk to each other. And the questions will be, what did you see? What did you hear? And what do you wonder about? Let's take a look. Okay, friends. I know that was quick. But can we have one or two people share? What did you see? Did anyone answer that question? What did you see? Danielle. A lot of eye contact from Jesus. Oh, a lot of eye contact from Jesus. That's beautiful. Thank you. Anyone else want to share what did you see? Go for it. I saw Jesus touching her heart. Yeah, Jesus was touching her heart. Yes. Come on, that's right. That's beautiful. What did you hear? He set her free from her past, and it held her captive for so long. Thank you. That's beautiful. Any other? What did you hear? Okay, what do you wonder about? Did anyone answer? Oh, sorry. Someone else. Where are we at? My husband's pointing to someone. Oh, my dad. Dad, what did you see here? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Dad. 
Thank you, Dad. <laughs> what did you wonder about? Anyone? Hmm. Having other people believe her. Wow. Nancy, that's a great one. So uh, Nancy said she wonders why Jesus would pick someone where others would have a hard time believing her. Yeah, that's beautiful. Any other wonderings? Yeah, go for it. Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. So the fear that she had to have had being so vulnerably exposed in that moment. Yeah, I think the Lord used you to segue into where we're about to head. So that's perfect. So if I'm honest with you, I love this story now. But for the longest time, I had a hard time with this story. Because I would hear the historical contacts. I would see the location. Hear about the friction and the pain, and my heart would just break. And then I had a really hard time, so exactly what you said, Carrie, understanding Jesus's interaction. I mean, I know that he knows all things, and I know that he loves the woman, but how does it feel to have all those questions asked to you? You're in a really vulnerable moment to begin with. You are by yourself in the middle of a day getting water, in a time and a location when women did that together early in the day. It was a communal practice. When just her being there meant something was wrong with her. And here you have a man who you just met that you know is Jewish. What would she have felt? What would that have been like? See, in the past, I would look at this story and read it with an edgy voice. Like Jesus, the all-knowing one, had a certain attitude about him when he was talking to the woman. He would come with his powerful truth and kind of drop this truth bomb of like, yeah, I gotcha. And then she was there to hold the destruction of that moment and wonder, what do I do with all the pieces you just shattered in my life and exposed? How do I put that back together? But in the last eight years, the Lord has really had me push into his heart. It's been his invitation to me. Do I really understand the heart of God? And that's why I love this clip. Because I think we see the heart of God. Jesus makes eye contact. Jesus shares and in a vulnerable moment touches her heart. She's freed from captivity of her past. Jesus uses a woman whose past can't even be imaginable. And she's going to be the first one to share it with everyone. See, Jesus did beautiful things in that moment. And although this story isn't your typical, we're sitting around a table, let's talk about hospitality and figure things out of what Jesus did and how he received, but Jesus entered in to her story. Jesus purposely went to Sakaar for that woman to share the kingdom of God. 
See, but Jesus in the midst of all the things happening in the world intentionally came to meet with this woman. But Jesus humbled himself enough to ask for help first. That's how the conversation started. He needed her in that moment, even though he could have done it himself. But Jesus approached her with curiosity instead of being right. Jesus left all the people that were saying he was wrong, where again he could have said he was right and proved that they were wrong and gently and quietly walked to Sakaar. But Jesus listened with ears of love. But Jesus gave her hope when the world was offering her something different. But Jesus showed her the kingdom of God when everyone else offered her only outcomes of this world. But Jesus gave her, her family, her country, her people at a seat at the table. When everyone else was saying they weren't worth it, that they didn't deserve it, that they couldn't afford it, and that they shouldn't be there. See, each one of us has a but Jesus story. Each one of us has a but Jesus answer. So although this story isn't around a table, and it isn't us looking at how Jesus interacts, it is a story of Jesus hosting her well. It is a story of Jesus receiving hospitality. Jesus' encounter with this woman gave her hope. It gave her freedom. It gave her acceptance. It was a personal encounter with a generational impact. It was a personal encounter with a purposeful impact because Jesus is purposeful. Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman was the first encounter that opened the door for all people to have a seat at the table with him. It no longer had to do with what you looked like, how you prayed, what you recited, where you worshiped. It was only about spirit and truth. And you were going to be accepted if you accepted him. So what's your but Jesus story? Because it's that but Jesus story that Jesus wants to use so others can experience the kingdom of God. How has his encounters with you changed you? And how are those encounters going to be used to change others? To end our time today, we are going to worship and proclaim all the things Jesus is. But before we do, and as the team comes up, I want to read a spoken word. Like I said, I've had some issues with this story in the past. But about eight years ago, the Lord really started doing a work in my life with this story in particular. And I started wondering, what would that woman have said when she went into a city where everyone already rejected her? What are some of the phrases she could have used in that moment? So here's a spoken word about that. Some call you Messiah. Some call you King. Some call you liar. And some stop listening. But I know you as a man who knows everything the one who says he's unashamed of me. Some don't believe you. Some say you are fake. To me, you are the Lord, the creator who makes no mistakes. Come meet a man that knows everything, one that is not ashamed of me. Some want to blame you. Some think that you're small, but you are my God and you provide for all. 
You took me from dust and honored me as royalty, all because you have great love for me. Hallelujah to the King. Hallelujah to the creator of everything. Hallelujah to the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah to the Redeemer of all. Come, meet a man that knows everything, one that is not ashamed of me.